There's one who knows them all. His name is Jesus. He knows how bad you hurt. He knows your sorrows. He knows your fears. And and what's he doing? He's calling out in a dry place saying, where are you? I know you need help. And I'll help you up so I can move you and I can make you walk again. I, I can move you from that dry place, but you've got the answer so I can find you. He knows where you're at. But you've got to be willing to say, here I am, I'm willing. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, you'll find one of the most touching and revealing glimpses into the heart and mind of King David. Having settled into his kingdom, David looked for any descendants of his dearly departed friend Jonathan and found a son that had been tragically crippled in infancy. David could have justifiably viewed him as a threat to his own rule, but instead treated him with kindness and generosity. In a truly remarkable display of grace, David brings him into his home and treats him like royalty. In today's message, Pastor Mark will show you how God reveals his own grace through the kindness of David towards Mephibosheth. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 9 for today's edition of Come Alive. 2 Samuel chapter 8, we're in, in, a, in a great spot. This is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. I got a lot of favorite stories, but this is one of the coolest ones I, I like to read about. It's a great story of kindness. It's a story of grace. And... Um, we get to see what David does at this point in his life. Chapter 9 of Second Samuel says, Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. And then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. And so the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. And then King David had sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. And now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, And he answered, here's your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. And then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son, all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. And you, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants, 
And then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for me, Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both of his feet. So, again, one of my favorite stories, an amazing story of kindness, an amazing story of grace. And again, at this point in David's life, you have to really think about David and who he is. He's been on the throne for 15 years, and in the, at this point in time, he, he is a wealthy king. And so, and, and throughout history, very, very few people have been in this powerful, wealthy position. I mean, still up to this point in time and day, if you think about the the uh, amount of money he, he has and what he has in, in, in his power and what he has to use. It's a lot of money. It, it ranges in the billions of dollars um, still. And so his desire is that he wants to show kindness to somebody. And so the other person we read about here is a son, a, a lame son who has lame feet, broken, unworkable feet. And David, he is a man, or Mephibosheth, he's a man that David is setting out for. He's got his attention. He asks a question in verse 1 of 9. Now David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul? Is there anyone? He's inquiring, is there anyone? Because I've been on my throne for about 15 years and I'm not sure. And so he says that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. And just keep in the back of your mind that covenant that he and Jonathan had. And so, again, this is an Old Testament story that reveals a New Testament truth. We say an illustration and illumination. Uh, An illustration in the Old Testament and an illumination through the New Testament. And today as we go through the study, there are two things I want you guys to look at if you're taking notes. One is, I want you to look at King David as a type of Jesus. As a type of Jesus. And then second, there's Mephibosheth, and he is a type of unbeliever, so to speak. Not that he's not a believer, but he's a type of an unbeliever. And we see an awesome picture, again, that that illustration and illumination. So look at verse 1. Now David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. And then the king said, Is there not still someone in the house of Saul whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba had said to the king, There's still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Emil, and Lodabar. And then king David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Emil, from low to bar. And so at this point, David's been again on the throne taking notes 15 years about. You can write that down, 15 years. He most likely never stopped thinking, or maybe he did just kind of forget about these guys. I'm not sure, but I, I don't think he'd ever stop thinking about his best bro, Jonathan. I have a best friend from, gosh, and, and when I was in seventh grade, and I think about him often, and it was kind of cool. A few years ago, he and I actually got to reconnect, hang out. He came here to church. His wife is from Katy. We grew up together in Dallas, and he'd gone away to the Army and had been in the Army all this time. And so it's fun, and, and, and even prior to that, 
to us hanging out a few years ago, I thought about him often. I used to think of things that he and I would do. And so I don't think David really ever stopped thinking about him. I think he just kind of was like, hey, I'm just going to get in touch and see if there's anyone from Jonathan's household that I can bless, that I can show kindness to, because I love Jonathan so much that I would do that for him. So in Old Testament times, usually what would happen, a conquering king would wipe out the previous ruler's family. They would come in, and if you were the king of that time, or if you were like Saul and Jonathan had died in battle, and, and they would come in sometimes most of the time and just wipe out that family, just so there's no competition for the throne, so there's no rivalry. And so one thing that we see here is that David says, I want to show kindness to Mephibosheth. Where is he? Where is he? Mephibosheth means shameful breath. His name means shameful breath. It's not like he needed an Altoids or he needed more Colgate or some Listerine or anything like that. Now, today, some of us might be like, dude, that guy's got some shameful breath. And that might just mean that you should probably invest in some minty gum or an Altoids. But his, in this time, it implies that he had some type of breathing ailment, probably asthma. Maybe he wheezed when he breathed. I don't know. But on top of that ailment that he has, he is also lame. And I don't mean lame like the way we use the word lame, like, dude, you're so lame, you don't want to go out and throw eggs at cars. That's lame, bro. But he's lame where he can't walk. And so what had happened is when his nanny had found out that Saul and Jonathan had died in battle, she scooped him up to get him away, thinking, again, it was common that this was going to happen, that a king would come in, and wipe out the family. Scoops him up, is running, and drops him. Now, we don't know if she dropped him on his head and broke his back or injured his spine, or if she dropped him on the, on, on, he landed on his feet and just broke his little ankles or whatever. But he's, got, he's lame in his feet is what we are told. And so she's trying to get him to safety. She trips, and he's injured. And so for the rest of his life, he is lame. And in this time, in this culture, it's an agrarian culture, it wasn't cool to be lame. You could not provide for yourself. You could not work. They didn't have desk jobs, so to speak, where you could surf the Internet all day and make phone calls. So two powerful statements in the same way when David says, where is he and I want to show kindness. Those are the two most powerful statements in our story today. And in this very room, Jesus says, I want to show kindness I want to show kindness to you or to somebody in in this very same way. And I think sometimes if we just hear his voice speak saying, I do, I want to show you kindness. I think a lot of times we don't want to hear that because, oh, no, I know me. And I'll just take advantage of that kindness, Jesus. But see, Jesus is here and he wants to show kindness to someone, all of us. But not only that, the other statement is, where are you? Where are you? I want to show kindness to you, but where are you? Didn't God ask that same question in the garden? I want to show kindness to you. I want to walk with you in the cool of the day. Adam, Eve, where are you? And they're hiding because of a shameful thing that they've done, because of sin. And, you know, when you think about it, Mephibosheth actually had opportunity to hang out with the king. He was five when his injury happened. So let's cut him some slack and say, okay, well, when he turned 10, or maybe even Ziba, his his servant, the guy who serves him, could have said, hey, bro, maybe go check out David, see where he's at. 
Go check it out and see, see where he's at. Maybe we can, we can get some love or maybe we can get some help. But Mephibosheth doesn't, neither does the servant. So it's kind of, the ball's in his court, but yet he does nothing. But again, today, Jesus is here saying, hey, where are you at? Where are you at, Mark? I'm here. I want to show kindness. Where are you at? And he wants to know where you're at so he can show you kindness. Uh, kindness like you've never experienced before. So Zeba says Mephibosheth is in Lodabar. That's where he's at. Lodabar. Lodabar means pastureless place. There's no green grass there. Giving the implication that it's a very dry, barren place. Only consisting of rocks and sand. And so maybe there's someone here, maybe some more than one, here today that's in that dry, pastureless place. Uh, Maybe you feel lame. Like you can't walk. And maybe you even you're a Christian and your walk is now a crawl or you're just sitting. But uh, my thought is always that none of us are here by accident. We're really here for a reason. And that is that God has something to say to you, something to say to me. And you may have come many times before and you were only willing to hear what you wanted to hear and you only want to feel good because you need to feel good. But here's the cool thing is that Jesus says, I want to show you kindness. I want to know where you're at, but you've got to answer so he can help you. Jesus might be saying, just stop, just listen. Just stop and listen. I want to show you kindness. And here, Mephibosheth, hiding in a dry place, unable to breathe easy. Some of us might be panting, little anxiety attacks because I didn't have to think about all the stuff I have to think about during the week and all the problems, all the bills, all the relationship problems, all the problems with the kids, all the things going on at work. It's, I'm breathing easy, but come tomorrow, my breathing will be constricted. It'll be tough to breathe. I won't be able to walk. I'll be unable to walk. And so maybe that's you or someone you know. And what does David do? Well, David sends messengers. He sends messengers to this barren, dry place to send a message of hope. He sends this message of hope and peace because of a covenant promise that was made a a while back with his good friend Jonathan. And it's the same thing for us when you think about it. Didn't God make a covenant promise? And, And again, he made it to Abraham, and then we celebrate communion once a month, and we hear about the new covenant, that new covenant, that new promise. And, and we'll see how that plays out as well. But what area of your life is, is Jesus seeking that he wants you to give to him 100%? Where are you? And why don't you give me your whole life? Because what we're going to see in a little while with Mephibosheth is that he does. He gives him everything. He gives the king everything. And so sometimes... There are countless stories of people that we know and we hear about, and even us, and we've been dropped. Maybe you you feel dropped. Maybe your boss dropped you because of cutbacks, or a spouse dropped you, and you now feel crippled. Or maybe you're constantly reminding yourself that you've been dropped. Satan keeps telling you that you've been dropped, that you're lame, and maybe you're telling yourself the same thing, that, man, I'm pretty lame. I've been dropped. I mean, why, why would this person drop me, and why not anyone else? Uh, Maybe there are people around you that feel that way. 
I'm convinced that if we knew the stories even of our worst enemies, of our worst enemies and even the people around us that are not our enemies, we would just have nothing but compassion for them once we know those hardcore stories. So there's one who knows them all. His name is Jesus. He knows how bad you hurt. He knows your sorrows. He knows your fears. And, and what's he doing? He's calling out in the dry place saying, where are you? I know you need help. And I'll help you up so I can move you and I can make you walk again. I, I can move you from that dry place, but you've got to answer so I can find you. He knows where you're at. But you've got to be willing to say, here I am, I'm willing. Here I am, Lord. You've got to be willing to go. So Jesus has looked down from his heavenly palace, and there's going to be a day when the war will be over, that spiritual war, and he's going to call to the world all the Mephibosheths to himself. And he's doing that now. Not that the war's over, but he's calling Mephibosheths all over the world to himself now. Look at verse 6. And it says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David. Stop there. He had come. It doesn't say he was forced. That David said, hey, send this guy. He can't walk, so he's not going to be able to fight you very well. Just grab him and force him to come. That's not the way it reads, and that's not what happened. He sent messengers. David said, hey, I'm going to send these people, and they're going to deliver a message. Maybe you've been a messenger, and you've delivered the message. But maybe you didn't deliver the whole message. Sometimes that happens. We get a little afraid in the message that we're delivering to people, and we stop short. Hey, man, I want to tell you about this really awesome. And then the Lord says, hey, you know what? Tell them about me. And we're like, well, you know, in the workplace, I can't mention Jesus because if I do, I could lose my job. I might get dropped. So, you know, to continue to minister here, and he doesn't want us to be CIA Christians undercover Christians. He wants us to tell the message, and David's messengers tell the message. And so Mephibosheth actually goes to David. And then it says he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Notice his posture. Notice Mephibosheth's posture. It's not because he couldn't walk. It's because he bows down in front of a king. And that's what we should do, is bow in front of our king. And so David spoke one word that changes the entire scene. That one word is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is what he says. David said, Mephibosheth. It stops right there. It's a question. Mephibosheth? Is that you, bro? This guy's bent over, and he answered, here's your servant. Here is your servant. He spoke his name. Well, when I see that David spoke his name, I think about the tomb that Jesus was in. And when Mary shows up and notices that the tomb is empty, and what does Jesus say as he's standing there? Mary. Remember that? Mary. He speaks one word, says Mary. She thought she was talking to the gardener. I was like, oh, this must be the guy that takes care of the grounds. And when Jesus said Mary, she knew exactly that that was her master. 
She knew exactly that. Her Lord, she knew it was Jesus. John 10 says that Jesus knows the names of his sheep. And if we can hear his voice, if we're his sheep, we will hear his voice. See, he may be calling you. He may be calling us to bigger and greater things. He may be just calling us to a a deeper walk, a, a greater faith. But do you hear his voice? As I read through this and studied through this, one of the things I constantly said is, Lord, am I, do I always hear your voice? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Sometimes there are things that are just going on that I can't hear his voice, but I've got to move away from that area so I can hear his voice. So it is quiet. And so, do you hear his voice would be the question today when he calls you. And Mephibosheth responds to the calling of the king. He bows himself. He gets it. We see that he gets it. He understands his role in the relationship. I wonder if we do. Oh, when Jesus calls us, are we like, yeah, bro, you're my homeboy. He's not our homeboy. I think we get it, but I also think that we forget it. I think we also forget that we come to approach the king of kings. When we come to church, when we come into his presence, I think that we forget that how our hearts should be bowed. We concern ourselves with the things of the week. As we sit here, we may be reading like, oh man, I got to get milk at the grocery store today. Oh, I got to do this other thing. Okay, Lord, I need to be focused. Oh man, I don't know how I'm going to focus. I got just so much going on. I can't wait to see the Texans. Oh, they're not playing. Praise God, because now we can focus on greater things. So there are those. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, So David said to him, Do not fear. Do not fear. David's saying, Hey, bro, it's cool. It's cool. Don't be afraid. I I know what you think is going to happen, but it's not that. I'm not going to wipe you out. A lot of times it's never what we think. We often think that we're too lame or too weak or unable to do something for the Lord because we've been out of touch or too far from his pasture or, you know, well, man, I really made it a point to try to be in the Word all week and I just worked and I got too busy. And, oh, Lord, how can you hear me? It's Saturday. I want to get into your Word. So, well, you know, I blew it all five days. I might as well blow it one more day. I'll try to get it right tomorrow when I go to church. I'll repent. That's what I'll do. I'll sing the loudest and I'll repent, and I'll look up even when I sing. He's like, I don't want that. I just want you to bow. I want you to hear me, and I don't want you to be afraid because you can come to me on Tuesday. You can come to me late Monday night. You can come to me even after you blow it because I still love you. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor Mark's teaching in the book of 2 Samuel. We wish we had more time to spend with you, but sadly, we need to wrap up our broadcast today. Right now, though, you can hear more from Come Alive by visiting our website. At Come Alive Radio, you'll be able to listen to past teachings, connect with us on Instagram, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd love to meet you, too, so consider yourself invited to our Sunday services at Calvary Chapel Katy. You can find out more at comealiveradio.com or give us a call at 281-391-5503. Be sure to let us know how we can be lifting you up in prayer. Before we end our time with you, Tracy has a request to share. Here at Come Alive, we want to make sure we're following God, not what other people around us are saying. 
With everything we do, we want to honor our Creator and point people to salvation. That's where you come in. We'd appreciate your prayers for Pastor Mark and all of us here at Come Alive. Would you lift us up to the Lord each time you listen to our program? Thank you for interceding on our behalf. Would you consider donating to Come Alive too? Any amount is helpful, and you can easily donate by texting 77977. That's 77977. Thank you so much for prayerfully considering this, and thanks for tuning in to Come Alive.